Welcome to episode one with Michael and Eric, the podcast where we watch the first episode of a streaming exclusive show and talk about it. I'm Michael. And I'm Eric. This week we watched Poker Face. On Peacock. Peacock. It's a fucking mess, kid. Okay. What'd you think of Poker Face? I really enjoyed it. Me too. I've got a confession to make about how much I liked Poker Face. You watched more than one episode. I did. If I could have gotten Kathy to watch the first episode with me, and she she was interested, we just never got around to it this weekend, I absolutely would have been in the same boat. Yeah, I watched, Shay and I watched over the weekend the first episode, and as always is the case with me, when it gets past 10 p.m., fell asleep. And then I finished watching it. And I told Shay, oh, yeah, it ended up really good. She's like, oh, I need to watch the last 20 minutes of it. And then we watched the last 20 minutes of it. And then uh, she was like, oh, okay. Uh, And I was like, do you want to watch the second episode? She's like, I don't know. It's a little too scary for me. She doesn't like the violence, like, in the murders and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And the next day I was like, do you want to watch the second episode of Poker Face? She's like. Fine. We watched the second episode. Like I was actively like <laughs> campaigning, and then uh, then the next day she was like, "Do you want to watch the third episode of Poker Face?" So I'm three episodes in. Uh, is that how many episodes are out? Uh, at the time there were four. I suspect as of today's recording, there's five now. And I don't know if I can get her to go back because of the um, violence keeps up. The violence, yeah, okay. it's fair. We've been busy uh, watching, doing a rewatch of Breaking Bad, so I don't think that the violence is going to be what scares Kathy away. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell everybody what this is about? This is about a woman whose name is, I don't remember. Charlie. 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 Charlie Kale. Yeah, Charlie Kale. Um, Played by Natasha Lyonne of Russian Doll fame. American uh, Pie. Nah, but like, as far as this podcast is concerned, Russian, Russian Doll. Um, She's good in this, too. Another comment Shay had about Natasha Leone while we were watching it was, she's going to bring that hairstyle back, isn't she? I, I doubt it. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, she is, she's a waitress at a casino, and then we find out at least partially partway through that she has some sort of ability that i want to get into a little bit where she can tell when somebody's lying and they do an all right job of laying some ground rules on it like she's not telling the future so if i say i'm gonna touch my nose she can't tell the difference right um she describes it as she's just able to tell something's off like she, she can just tell yep and she uses it to great effect in this episode, both to solve the murder of her friend. And also she gets, she was already hired. I don't know. She gets pulled into work with the casino boss in trying to fuck over and scam one of the high rollers of the casino. That's kind of a, an asshole to this dude. But it turns out it's all, like also in some child porn ring, as far as I can tell. That's what's implied, is it's child porn. Which caused me to have some feelings about how this all ended. 
Like, it's all fine, well, and good that you want to fuck over this casino boss, but that guy definitely shouldn't be allowed to just, like, go free. She forwarded that information to the FBI and Oprah. Was it about... Yeah, that's what she was forwarding. I think, I thought she was forwarding... No, she was forwarding the child porn stuff. Okay. Well, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, that's the gist of the plot. The end of this that's carrying forward through the next couple of episodes, I'm assuming, and probably the whole season, is that when she decides not to fuck, like, to go through with this plot to scam this guy, she also then sends all the information about the fact that this casino boss was trying to scam this guy to the other high rollers and other gamblers, and that causes the casino boss to kill himself. Yeah. Jumps off a whatever 13th story building. Yeah. And then that guy's father finds out and threatens to kill Natasha Leone and yeah. hunt her down. And so she has to go on the run. And the boss is played by sexual assaulter Adrian Brody. Gotcha. Yes. Not his father. Not his father. Yeah. Adrian Brody sexually assaulted someone? Oh. Halle Berry. Yeah. Fair. That's fair. Oh, something else to note about this show. Played uh, Natasha Leone as the lead, but Ryan Johnson made it. The uh, person who made Knives, Knives out. out and Glass Onion. And The Last Jedi. Yeah, and The Last Jedi <laughs> <laughs> made this show. Yeah. I just figured we'd talk about two good things and one not so good thing. <laughs> And they talk about how she was a gambler, but the casino boss, Adrian Brody's dad, figured out what she was doing and blackballed her. and yeah, told her to knock it off, but... Yeah, gave her a job. Yep. My question is, do gambler Like, there's no way she can't get into a single poker game in the entire country because of this, right? I bet it's not so much that she can't get into a single one and more that she can't get into a single one that's worth her fucking time. Yeah, she could she could get into yours and my poker game or whatever right. and make $5 out of that. Yeah. But what is that worth her time? She was busy scamming a lot of at least mid-tier. Yeah, they they made a point of saying she wasn't going big. She was going like right down the middle with it. She was like not trying to make a splash. Just but, trying to make rent, like just to pay her bills. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or they, they say like she had money, like she was making money and staying in fancy hotels. There's a cool, uh, funny line in there where they, Adrian Brody says that he's going to make her rich. And she says, I've been rich. And he goes, yeah, how was it? And she said, easier than being poor. Harder than doing just okay, <laughs> but yes. But she she goes she does it long enough or gets big enough that she gets noticed. And I'm seeing, it feels like she could just go one tier down and still make a little bit, of, like still make some money, you know. Given how quickly Adrian Brody's dad, who is we never see his face at least in the first episode, he's played by Ron Perlman. Yeah. I recognize the voice, uh, and so I went and checked, and yep, Ron Perlman. Um, given how quickly he shifted to murder, like, I'm going to fucking kill you sort of intensity, when she's not the one that forced Adrian Brody to fucking jump off a fucking 
roof. Yeah, and she was also trying to not do the thing that uh, she didn't think that he wanted done. Precisely. That leads me to infer that Ron Perlman might have also threatened to kill her if he ever caught her doing that again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she was scared of him. She says a few times. And so there's something going on. I don't, I don't, I think she was giving the Reader's Digest version, which is he blackballed me. I'm guessing there was also a lot of, and if you do it again, I'm going to fucking kill you. We're going to, we're going to find out more, I'm sure. I liked Charlie Kale as a character who was just teetering on like QAnon. (laughs) Like she's. Expand on that. Like, she's in the car, like, reading, like, posts from, like, 4chan and, like, talking to her friend about all these, like, celebrities that are doing, like, child porn and stuff. And she's like, why are you paying attention to that? And she's like, pay attention to the news? (laughs) Like, she's got some, she's got some out there. QAnon tendencies. QAnon tendencies. I also like when she, like, wakes up in the morning and rolls out of bed and walks out of it for a trailer and walks to the cooler that already has a beer in there and cracks it open before work. <laughs> the show did a good job of showing, not telling, through a lot of this, for the most part. The thing that bugged me in that regard, though, was how much time we had to spend curious about what her abilities are. Like, I knew what her abilities were based on the description. I, I knew going into this, like, she's able to tell if someone's lying or not. However, I think the first 20 to 30 minutes, it was just a lot of, like, you know what I do. You know what my ability – you know what I mean? Like, there was just a lot of insinuation. The, I want to get into this about this ability because I find myself, especially as I watch the second and third episode, paying attention to the things people say to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that they're worded. And it's made me wonder, can she tell if what's being told to her is a lie, like factually a lie? Or can she tell when somebody's trying to deceive her? So somebody says something, uh, there's a line, like somebody gets stabbed in one of the episodes and they tell her like, oh, it was just a sharp piece of metal, which is the truth. But I'm, I'm like, does she know that she's trying to be deceived right now or does does in that sense that's true does she does in that instance is that person pinging is lying to her no 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 i'm i'm asking you is that person aware of her abilities when they're telling her that no okay the thing i noticed back to just the first episode since that's the whole point of this podcast and Sorry. i'm not a cheater um <laughs> That's still on on display in this that first episode. When yeah. when Adrian Brody finds out about her abilities specifically, the second half, or maybe it's just like the last third of that episode, you can tell. I, I mean, I could tell there yeah. were a lot of times he was just skirting around giving her an answer. Yeah, he was being really careful with his words too. Right, and and I'm again like, did can she tell that she's that somebody's trying to deceive her or can she tell that the thing that you said is not true? I think it's the, the latter. I think it's the second because she seems to also have, and I don't know if this is part of the ability or just part of her personality. She seems to have a hard time not immediately calling somebody out on their bullshit 
some of that being very literal, they, like the first half of the episode, anytime somebody's lying, she just mutters under her breath bullshit. But also some of that is less literal where once she f- hears a lie, she gets really dogged about it. And in the first episode, those times when he was just dancing around the truth, she didn't push him on it. She didn't push him on it until she caught him, like she heard a lie later. And that's when she realizes or at least reveals, hey, you didn't give me any information when I actually asked this question before. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's something that's interesting to me too, is when Charlie knows somebody is lying and doesn't call somebody out on it. So then we as the viewers aren't brought in right away that we know that Charlie knows that she was lied to. Does that happen in later episodes? Because I don't know that that happened in this first episode. I I I think every time she either is muttering under her breath or she flat out says to someone bullshit every time there's been a lie. I don't know that it happens in the first episode either. I'm trying to think of specific instances in the next ones. Uh, next episodes but we're not talking about those but uh, except we are because you brought this up but like yeah no you brought up the second episodes no what i'm saying is you're saying that there are instances where she catches someone in a lie but we're not brought in on that because she doesn't call it out oh i don't think that happens in the first episode i'm not saying that happens i'm saying that that the potential of that happening is interesting gotcha 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 yeah Yeah, i i i'm I get what you're saying. I'm more interested in general, or at least in concept, by a character that has this gift, but also a a heavy flaw to it where, yeah, I know when you're lying, but I can't fucking, like, just let that go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was on display a lot in this episode, but I don't know. I could be misremembering. Maybe there is an instance where she catches somebody in line and doesn't say anything. Yeah. Or mutter something to the camera, basically. So, this show points out two professions where being this ability would come in handy. Gambler and detective, basically. Mm-hmm. What other professions would this be good for? I could see it being helpful. I don't know that it would necessarily make you a better uh, therapist, but being a therapist. I had that thought, too. Oh, maybe like a business? Just like a... Attor- attorney. There's video games, but like Ace Attorney is literally this it's somebody who can tell what or i think it's the sequels but there's a character that literally can tell when someone's lying but then you have to work your way into but how are they lying oh yeah attorney judge um i'm thinking like a negotiator like a business negotiator Mm -hmm. would be good for yeah drug dealer i don't know i've never been a drug dealer i'm trying to think like i would hope that most of those transactions are fairly straightforward. Maybe I'm thinking higher up the chain. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And drug, then, then drug you, distributor. Then you know if your dealers are actually giving. Like it's. I'm thinking of Better Call Saul, where there were how many scenes did we watch Nacho or Tuco sitting there like trying to? I mean, shit. Tuco had that ability, right? Right. <laughs> I'm using air quotes. He had that ability to just give them the eye and know when they were lying. How long would it take you, if you had this ability, how long would it take you to finally accept that you did? Like, it'd take me a while to be like, all right, maybe I am. Because there's no way to 100% confirm that somebody has lied to her and she didn't realize it. You know what I mean? I get you. I don't know. It's not an ability 
but like me and Kathy joke all the time, like in most, in, and and maybe that's it because I do have some uh, examples where this isn't the case. But in most instances, my first impression of somebody is fucking spot on. Um, but I always second guess that. So mm-hmm. even knowing that, and Kathy's quick to point out, like, no, you're generally right about this shit. I still spend a lot of time going like, I don't know, maybe I'm not right on this. Um, even before I've had like big examples of being wrong. Would you trust that ability to the point where that you would be like judge in a courtroom and you use your first impression of people to co- convict or sentence them? No, because that's like the legal system doesn't work that way. <laughs> in a world in which it did. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. I think we're writing a, a procedural drama. <laughs> Not sure. Uh, it's called Judge Dredd, the TV show. Or like by its cover, like judging a book by its cover or something. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I, 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 Because I... Charlie would trust her ability to that point. I mean, she does trust her ability yeah. to, that, to that point. But she's also we see she's she's kind of fucking reckless with it. She's she trusts that ability to the point of trusting that it's going to keep her out of bad situations when it very clearly gets her into shitty ones. And that's only having watched the first episode. I can only imagine it gets worse from there. You know. I like the. Um the Columbo formula of this where you see the murder happen first that the audience sees the murder happen first and um knows the whole time who it was who it was and then you just watch the detective solve it uh i also like the this isn't a Columbo thing but the um the time stuff that they do so you see during the murder it, it flashes it goes back and then um you see things that it took place during the murder so you hear during the murder you see adrian brody on the phone with somebody and then while she's investigating what's going on you see the other end of that conversation where like she's in the room while the other person's talking to him and stuff like that that feels like something that you have hated on extensively on this podcast which is one day earlier or whatever to the point where I wrote when they first cut back in time, I don't know if I missed a stinger or like whatever, where it says one day earlier for just a moment, I was confused by what the fuck was happening. They, they didn't, they didn't do that. And I think that what, since, uh, since watching one cut of the dead and watching this, I think that I am very willing to accept that device. If it's done well and services the plot and not, the other 95% of the time where it's where you see it where it's just like oh what's the and maybe you don't know but what's the difference what what makes one of them good and in service of a plot and another whoa to use your exact words <laughs> i think i think one is just doing it for the sake of doing it which is all, which is most of the time and i think like and like I, the movie One Cut of the Dead is about that, and uh, and this show I think just doesn't do it for the sake of doing it. It's 
genuinely telling a story and using that while it's telling the story and does a good job of doing that. It's not just trying to like, like draw you into the rest of the episode or do like gotcha type stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I I'm too busy trying to categorize what makes one good and one bad. And I think that what made this one work so well is us seeing what happened in present day, as opposed to the past brought us in on something that the characters didn't know. Right. Whereas the flip is what we see and rage on so much, which is we see something that just happened and we have no fucking clue what led to it. Yeah. You're seeing like in most of the time you're seeing like, uh, uh, Walt, Walter White standing on the road in his underwear with shit burning around him and stuff. And it's just like, all right, so now I got to watch this whole thing just to get back to this point. And seeing that doesn't really uh, contribute to what I'm getting out of what I'm watching until we get back there. That you bringing up Walter White and this being like the third time we've referenced a Vince Gilligan show that does remind me we're in the middle of season four now. And we were watching the fly episode where are you familiar? Yeah. Um, the fly episode they're spending the whole episode basically it's it's a bottle episode it's them trying to find a contaminant within their lab and it's just a fly and as we were watching it I me and Kathy were joking about how this is just a Looney Tunes episode it was just the goofiest whatever Um, when I was looking it up because I was trying to see what inspired them to do like such a random episode because it was very weird a, a lot of commentary on that being the best episode of the show, which I don't know if I agree with. Yeah. B, it was at least directed by, and maybe at least partially written by, Ryan Johnson. Oh. <laughs> Adrian Brody's dad, or Adrian Brody, when he was talking about his dad at one point, says that his dad told him three things when he handed him the keys to the casino. Number one, keep the carpets clean. Number two, keep Kane, who's the whale that they're trying to scam, happy. And number three, it doesn't matter. It was something about Charlie. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. This guy guy kept her around for a reason. He wasn't just being nice. Why do you think he was keeping her around if he wasn't actively using her? My best guess is he wasn't quite sure what he was going to use her for, but he knew that he was going to need her at some point. Like, this this tool is too valuable. I don't know what I need it for right now, but I'm going to keep it in my tool chest. And I would bet that that is at least an episode, if not a multi-episode arc at the end of this, towards the end of this season, where he decides not to kill her instead to use, or at least he's telling her he's decided not to kill her. He's going to use her for whatever he had planned, and it's going to be some other huge scam. But at the end, he's going to try and kill her anyway, because that was always his plan, was to tie off that loose end. Yeah. One thing I noticed in this is the eight, Benjamin Pratt, and it, who plays Adrian Brody's like crony, um, the guy from Law & Order, they do a really good job of putting on the front of the casino and the working environment and everybody like really cares about each other this is a like a good working environment just like a nice wholesome gambling place uh which isn't true my question is 
why all casinos got to be like evil like that? Why can't there be a casino that's really what they were trying, they were presenting it to be? Because the point, the service that a casino is offering is inherently exploitation. Like they are, they, they have, especially anymore, they have direct line on the odds of every game and they just rig it to make as much money as they can. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, Shay and I went to the casino last weekend. Coincidentally, I'm guessing we're probably going to go to a casino here next week in Arizona because there's not going to be a shit ton to do. So, yeah. uh, We were sitting around and we were playing cards and we were listening to records and uh, you've uh, experienced this. I've been doing a thing where I like randomize our, the record collection and that's the record we play. And uh, like by the third record, it was like another banger. And Shay went, man, we should go to the casino. And it was like, all right. <laughs> we went. How much he, money did you lose? <laughs> I lost $100 and Shay won $1 in like 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long did you stay at the casino, Michael? 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But we did play like there was like an automated blackjack game. And um I lost every hand, and I'd be like 17, 18, 19, every hand. I didn't, I didn't win a single hand, and by the end of it, I was like, all right, what's going on here? I have never been to a casino that I was playing at. I've stayed, I stayed at a casino years ago, but I've never actually gambled at a casino because the games... I have no interest in those automated games for the exact reason I just stated, which is that they they can just decide, oh, this is going to have like a 0.2% or whatever payout. It, it's all extremely rigged. And the slightly rest, less rigged games required me to interact with another human, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Have I talked on this podcast before about the time I almost got arrested at a casino? I know I've told you the story. Why did you almost get arrested? I don't. I don't remember. Oh, okay. A, Y, or B, if you told it on the podcast. One New Year's Eve, we were at a party with friends. And it was like a it was like a big group thing. So it was a bunch of our friends and a bunch of friends of friends and that type of thing. There were maybe 20, 30 people there. So I was hanging out over here and Shay was playing this game where... Uh, I don't understand what this game was, but you have like a handful of dice. Everybody has like a handful of dice and they're just like rolling the shit out of them on the table. And then at some point somebody wins and wins all the money on the thing. And Shay turns out just cleaned up and ended up with like $40 worth of quarters. So a few months later, Shay and I decide to do a hooky day, which we do every once in a while, where we just each take a day off in the middle of the week and just go, like, do go-karts, go to the movie, that, you know, that type of shit. And one of the things we were doing on this hooky day was we were going to go to the casino because we still had this $40 worth of quarters. One of the things was like, let's go throw them in the slot machines. So, so we go to a slot machine to go put quarters in there, and... Did not realize that slot machines don't take quarters anymore. And so I was like, oh, I'll go to the cashier and cash them out. And I go up to the cashier and I say, hey, can I just cash these out for to play the slots? And the 
cashier looks at the quarters and then looks back up at me and she's like, yo, you just want to cash these out? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh, okay. Well, I just got to call my manager. And I go, all right. And she goes, yeah, it's just not, you know, that usual that this happens, which to me was like, really? I would think this happens multiple times a day that somebody comes with a, you know, but I was like, okay, whatever. And she's like, yeah, so I'm just going to call my manager to get approval for this. Like, all right, fine. I'm standing there and she's on the phone like a few minutes pass. And eventually a cop just walks right up to me and goes, oh yeah, you're trying to change out these quarters? And I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, it's not, not a usual thing that happens around here. And I'm like, again, in my head, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, where'd you get all these quarters? And I go, I, I don't want to say we want them gambling, <laughs> illegal gambling. So I was like, oh, you know, people have changed jars at home. Like, <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, no. Well, uh, we had a laundromat that was hit up just a few days ago. And so, you know, we're watching out for people with quarters, which makes sense to me. If somebody steals a bunch of quarters from a laundromat, you're going to watch out at the casino for somebody to show up with a bunch of quarters. And he goes, you got a, you got an ID? And I go, yeah. And I hand him my ID and he walks away. And I'm sitting there like, this is the weird. And I'm thinking, am I about to get arrested for it? For knocking over a laundromat? Yeah. And he, uh, He's gone for another five or ten minutes, and eventually, I'm standing there like worried as shit. Eventually, he walks back to me. He does not even break stride. He just hands me my ID, but looks at the cashier and goes, "He's good." And the cashier, and like one beat later, the cashier takes all the quarters, pours them into the change machine they have at the cashier station for when people come and bring a bunch of fucking quarters to gamble <laughs> and then gives me 40 bucks and I go back and she's like where the fuck were you and I was like I <laughs> almost getting arrested <laughs> almost getting arrested but <laughs> but uh then we won like 300 bucks and paid for the rest of our hooky day Nice. And also, uh, the guy who had been hitting up laundromats got caught. Looked at the time. exactly like you. <laughs> oh, I figured I figured my height was what got me off because I figured he got on the phone and was like, okay, this guy's 6'5", and they're looking at the security tape and like, this guy's like 5'8", dude. <laughs> but um, but uh, this guy got caught. At the time, Shay and I weren't living together. I was living in apartments. The guy got caught trying to break into the washing machines in the laundry room of my apartment complex. <laughs> I don't think I knew that particular prologue, but that's a, or epilogue. Yeah. Do you have any crazy casino stories? I just told you I've, I've, I've been to one casino in my life and I did not gamble there. Mm. That was, I think that story I just told was the, before this weekend was the last time that I had been in a casino. Well, I'll let you know, uh, in two weeks whether or not i have any crazy casino stories because uh i'm pretty sure kathy and her brother already talked about maybe we'd go to a casino while we were out there it's fun i'm with kathy which is it's not fun losing money and that's all it is it's just like yeah I, there's the there's the mindset that i get which is if you're going out and, and doing something you're spending money anyway this is just another form of entertainment that you're spending money on 
Agreed. But if I'm not getting entertainment out of pressing a button, then I'm just throwing money away, which yeah. is arguably what's happening. And I already talked about how I'm too socially uh, terrified to, you know, actually talk to another human being. So Yeah. And then there's always the potential that you're going to get addicted to it and uh, ruin your life. Yeah, that's possible. What do you got next? The only other thing that I have written down that we haven't talked about is the end of this episode or towards the end of this episode when, so she's running from what's his face. Ben Pratt. Yeah. Who's shooting at her. And she goes down some stairs because they're on like the 13th floor where uh, Adrian Brody had just jumped off of and killed himself. She only makes it down to the fourth floor before she jumps out a window. And I was expecting we were going to have to see some aspect of how she actually managed to, like, make that jump without hurting herself. But nope, they just, like, the next scene, she's just walking around fine. I didn't even put that together. It was the fourth floor. I figured she was on the first floor. I would have thought that, too, except she walked by a sign that said fourth floor. All right. (laughs) It just was, it was odd. I, I have one more note for this, too. Okay. They're coming up with this plan. Oh, I guess two more notes. So they're coming up with this plan to um, cheat this high roller. And she can't be in the room gambling with the high roller because she's a waitress and he's going to recognize her. So they're going to do it over video and she's going to give a signal to a guy. My first note about that is they're like, can you tell if somebody's lying on video? And she goes, oh, no, I'm not sure. She would know by now if she could tell if somebody was lying on video one and two how many world secrets from watching press conferences does this woman know she can tell someone's lying not what the truth is <laughs> i know but okay yeah she can still tell she still knows more than a lot of people in sure. that case my second um point about this is third but go on um my next point about this <laughs> is they put a uh ink Hello. Yeah, you're a sweet girl. They put a clicker on his ankle and she's going to click signal him. And it's one click for if he's lying and two clicks if he's telling the truth. Why doesn't she just fucking click it every time he's lying? Yeah. Right? No confusion. (laughs) Uh, What else do you have for Poker Face? Not a goddamn thing. We have some housekeeping to do. Let's be about it then. Okay. A couple episodes ago, I said that the Smurfs were French. And I got blown up on the internet about it. There were like hashtags going and stuff that uh, they're Belgian. Um, So I'm sorry. But in my defense, Eric didn't correct me. In my defense... (laughs) I find it funny to watch you get humiliated on, humiliated on the internet. <laughs> a new listener of ours pointed that out to us. And uh, also, does everybody that we play Dungeons & Dragons with our entire audience? Yeah, I mean, except for one of them. <laughs> Mo? Speaking of Mo. Uh-huh. They responded and proved that they're a robot? Is that what happened? 
No, they were proving that your test was dumb. Remember earlier when I said I really like watching you, you getting humiliated on the internet? This is this was like another perfect example of it. Okay. Mo was just saying that your choice of a I'm not a robot test was dumb because even a robot, robot could tell you X, Y, or Z. And then also Mo went on to describe not all that complicated a math. Like that was basic trigonometry if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so Mo told us nothing other than that Michael doesn't know how to tell if someone's a robot or not. Well, I thought that the how a painting makes you feel thing would work, but they apparently just went to the chat GPT and asked it to describe how a painting made it feel and copy and pasted it into their comment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, anybody <laughs> can do that now. So, what te- Oh. Are we going to have to do, like, an ex machina type of thing? What's the test? Is it the Turing test? Turing test. What, what is... How does that go? I think Turing test is a hypothetical. It's originally... Okay, it's a test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. Turing proposed that a human evaluator would judge natural language conversations between a human and machine. There isn't an actual test, though, I don't think. I just found somebody that has five questions that they would ask in their Turing test. What are the five questions? What was the most influential event of your childhood and how do you feel about how do you feel this event affects you today? Okay, wait, hold on. Let me type these into the chat GPT. What was the most influential event of your childhood and how do you feel this event affects you today? How do you feel this event affects you today? Oh, okay. So as an AI language model, I do not have personal experiences or emotions. Turing test successful. All right. What's the second one? Who are you as a person? Who are you as a person? Again, it says, I am not a person. I am an AI link. Oh, okay. I got this. I, I've got a third one oh, that, okay. that doesn't relate to you being a person. All right. Describe your feelings if you were to be given the opportunity to fly to the moon. Describe your feelings if you were to be given the opportunity to fly to the moon. As an AI language model, I do not have personal experiences or emotions. If you were to draw yourself as an abstract painting, what colors and shapes would you use and why? If you were to draw yourself as an abstract painting, what colors and shapes would you use and why? As an AI language model, blah, 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 blah. And then the fifth one is obviously going to get answered the same way. What emotions have been involved in answering the questions that I've given you up to this point? And what do you feel is the strongest question out of the four? Wow. Okay. But this is just some rando's idea of a Turing test. It, Like I said, I think Turing test is just a, a broad term for, it's like intelligence test. Intelligence doesn't mean anything. There's 9,000 of them. Okay. So all those questions that Michael just asked uh, that, open, what is it? The chat, the chat AI thing, the, whatever. Yeah. Um, Mo, you're on the clock. <laughs> Got anything else? Not a thing. Want to wrap it up? Thanks for listening to the episode one podcast with Michael and Eric. Check out our website. It's episode one podcast.com or follow us on Twitter at podcast episode one. Uh, leave a rating review if you like the podcast. If you don't, you're not listening to this anyway, but fuck you. <laughs> Wow. If you don't like this podcast and you are still listening, now you're just hate listening and I don't have any fucking time for you.
What? Or, or, and we'll get to this in next week's episode, or you're Billy Joel looking for lawsuit material. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>